I'm Brittany. And I'm Tori. And, and this, this is... The Be Afraid of the Dark Podcast. Hello, my spooky tins. Good afternoon. We're recording on a Saturday. In the afternoon, some light. Well, kind of. It's Michigan. It's freezing fucking cold outside. <laughs> it is. It's freezing. How are you, Brett? Tired. <sighs> Me too. It's been a long week. I agree. It yeah. was way too long. I felt like I was at work for like my life. Yeah. Just in one week, it was never ending. How'd that um, car auction thingy go that she went to today? I'm very sad. Why? Because the car that I wanted is already pre-bidded on way higher than I want. And the other ones that I found there um, just haven't been picked up yet. Like, so I thought they were open and they, when I went on the website to like bid. Yeah. They were already completed. Like the auction had already gone. Oh, I know. So. It's okay. I'm keeping my eye out. Keeping my eye out. You'll find that Jeep, boo-boo. You'll find that Jeep. I know. Oh, but, uh, so you remember last week how we talked about um, aliens and I talked about that meteorologist, Jeff Bushong, right? Okay, well, I ended up finding out some new information. Oh, do tell. And um, also, we tried to contact him, right? On two different platforms. Come to find out, he's going to be contacting us back to eventually be doing an, an interview. interview for the pod. Yes, I'm very excited. It's just a matter of time before we can get in full contact all over again. But yes. I'll take what I can get right now. Uh, let me find this this info. I had it pulled up and then I I lost it. I'm sorry, guys. I'm a I'm a mess. <laughs> okay, so let's see. So I last week I talked about them and how I said that the National Weather Service yep. backpedaled and all right. of that. Yep. And we're talking about him um, like trying to get out of his career and ruin right. his yep. career. Um, he came with an update and said that his supervisor okay. was actually the one that was trying to make oh, the biggest wow. deal out of it. Of course. It was. But the Weather Service itself weather service itself still did backpedal on it but his big the supervisor at the time was the one that decided it was going to be like a big okay a to-do also um he ended up in atlanta for 20 years right and he said not too many people in atlanta ended up knowing about the michigan ufo story right and um it had no effect on his career post 94 Wow. Okay. Um, he is still very much interested in that night. He plans to write a science-based paper about how the radar used that night worked and how the objects looked and how he determined them to be solid objects. He's also interested in hearing from all the eyewitnesses that night. Okay. And he does travel to Michigan often and would be happy to attend any Michigan MUFON conferences which I did come to find out he is going to be doing a MUFON conference here in uh, on Sunday, on Sunday, 11, six. So that was, Oh, we missed that. Yeah. One. So we missed that one. But he did do a big zoom meeting with MUFON. So we'll have to catch up on that and yeah. watch that. And yeah, of course. See what happened. Keep, the, 
keep the UFOs alive. And people are still trying to tell him that like what he saw wasn't real or everything. That's so stupid. I know. Um, And so he has like a like the a person was like, how can you report that it was something that you saw from the naked eye when you saw it on a radar? Like, bitch, it's it on counts. the radar. It still counts. I see it with right. my eyes. With my eyeballs. It's right there in front of me. Because I tell you that rain don't look like a flying saucer. Mm-mm. I mean, last time I checked. No, nowhere close. Nowhere close. <laughs> from what I know. Right. <laughs> but side... Side note, uh, extreme hauntings! Yay! Yay! I'm not scared at all. I'm going to scare the crap out of you. I, okay. I'm so excited. So do you want me to go first and you want to rally at the end? Oh, I want you to hold your butts, your boobs, and all of it like you tried to do last week. This time oh, you can gosh. hold both because you don't got wine. <laughs> um, so... Should I start them? Lay it on me, baby. Okay. So I did the Amneville house. Ooh. Yes. Which, actually, research-wise, is very hard to find stuff because of all the movies. I know. It which really fucks which it up. Which you would think, because it's so publicized and all the events, you know, have been put in movies. But even the family that... Um, lived in the house, experienced those experiences, says that the movies have stretched the truth so thin now that it's completely fiction. Really? There's nothing left in the movies that even remotely count, like, counts for what they account, like, encountered. Oh, shit. Yeah. Did you have to, like, read books and shit? Because I know I had to, like, go and find some books for mine. Um, I, I didn't just because I, my... You don't read? I do read. Just kidding. I'm offended. <laughs> um, no, I just didn't. Uh, our horror section on like true horror, you know, events is very thin at our local library. Um, you can also get books on Amazon for like three bucks, bro. Yeah, but I don't like reading digital books. I have to hold it in my hand. You can hold your phone in your hand. I watch you do it all the time. Don't attack me like this. <laughs> no, it's um. Me, 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 oh, the world's smallest violin. Yeah. Oh, um, so I have a learning disability, which makes my comprehension really hard. Um, which means when I'm reading on my tablet, and like when notifications come or anything like that, it's gone. Everything I just read. Phew, completely wasted <laughs> just some wasted room yeah so um i do a lot of research online but like when i'm actually like reading a novel or something like that i have to have a hard copy in my hand i do prefer like i'm yes. not gonna lie to Plus, have a hard copy how do you smell a book that was dramatic about... but oh, i know a good book is yeah this candle over here is giving me spooky vibes oh love it all right Leia Ami boost. Dive in. And you were so scared about me not having research, and now it's just, it's three pages long. Okay, guys, yesterday I asked her, I was like, how's your research coming? She literally had a paragraph. Maybe. Best. Not even. Maybe three, four sentences. I was like, raw. 
She really procrastinated this time. Oh, I really did. It was such a busy work week, though. I Yeah, you had that guy that was a dipshit putting that printer together. Yeah, if you hear this guy, I apologize, but you... Sorry, guy that puts on printers. Yeah. Well, it's not even just... It's not. It wasn't a normal printer, either. It was um, a stampion, so it keeps track of post-it. We like our... So it does the postage stamping oh yes it was a whole thing and i was very upset but anyway (laughs) back to the spooky shit okay i'll insert some like spooky music here (laughs) segue booga 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 booga. okay so the omniville house is in a suburb you want to repeat that omniville house amityville amityville i always pronounced omniville amityville amityville isn't that how it's pronounced? I don't know. Is it? That's how I've always pronounced it. Okay. Well. Okay, guys, tell us who's right, who's wrong. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> so it's on a uh, part of a suburb on Long Island in New York. It's always New York. It, yep. Um, it's a six-bedroom Dutch colonial style house. Yeah, half. You know, six bedroom. I think it's like two bath, one half, something like that. Um, originally at the address of. 112 Ocean Avenue. The house was initially built in 1927. The address has been changed to um like confuse um gawking tourists. Oh yeah. And I do have the new updated address, but please don't to do that. Slow, you know. It's easily looked up on the internet, but like out of respect for the people that do live it's a new address there you go there's your answer (laughs) um so let's let's go back to back in time back in time so the rumor that like is behind the house is that a witch named john ketchham fled from salem and built on the property and cursed the grounds um, but there's no proof stating that this John witch ever existed, and the true Ketchum family did an extensive research into their genealogy and found no proof that he ever existed. Um, so through careful investigation, they have been able to determine that the John Ketchum witch is completely fab, like, like it's fabricated. A- yeah, completely fabricated. Yeah, nothing to do. Tis not true, but. Um, according to the deeds um, following the property, um, the property basically came, was once a farmland to the Ireland family. Um, and that's the um, house's most prominent and influence, influential family. So on January 14th, 1924, Annie Ireland sold the property to John and Catherine I'm going to murder this last name. Moynihan? Moynihan? Yeah, I don't know. Mm. I apologize. We're sorry to descendants. So the following year, 1925, builder Jesse Perry constructed the large colonial house, Dutch colonial that stands there today. Um, with the couple's new house being built, they lived just down the road. Once the house was finished... Because they completely demolished the Ireland's house that was on the property. So they moved out while the house was being built and then moved back onto the property. 
Um, once the house was finished, the family of six moved in again and enjoyed life near the Amneville Creek. When John and Catherine passed away, their daughter Elaine Fitzgerald moved in with her own family and lived there until October 1960. No paranormal activity. Nothing. Okay. Um, 1960, the house was sold to John and Mary Riley. They only lived there for five years due to marital problems. They ended up divorcing and going their separate ways. And that's when the Defoe, I think is how you pronounce it. Defoe? Defoe. Defoe. How is it spelled? D-E-F-E-O. Defoe. Defoe. I think it's Defoe. That's when the Defoe family moved in. Do you know them? And these the spooky spooks? It's not. No. But they're why they're spooky spooks, in my opinion. Let's get into it. Oh, a segue. Ronald, let's meet them. Okay. Ooh. Ronald Joseph Defoe, or Big Ronnie Sr. Oh, Big was Ronnie. Born November 16, 1930. He married Louise Marie. Brignett, born November 1931. Louise's parents disapproved of Big Ronnie, so they cut all ties with them until September 26, 1951, when Ronnie Jr. Wow. I'm really sorry, guys. That was Tori's ringtone. <laughs> Dancing through the fire. Anyway, I'm gonna put that on mute. Proud of you. Sorry. Um, 1951, when Ronnie or Ronald Jr., aka Butch, is what he went by, was born. Growing up, Butch had it hard. Like this poor baby. He was born, um, and was you know obviously firstborn and a boy. Like God, it's big, so hard. Big Ronnie had so much like expected from the day he was born on who this was gonna who he was gonna be and what he was gonna be like. And Big Ronnie was not afraid to discipline him in the most cruelest ways. That's awful. One second, Big Ronnie would be hugging and loving on his son. The next second, people reported him throwing Butch across the room. I was literally in my head, I'm just thinking, oh what? You're gonna say he's throwing him across like throwing him out a window and you're like throwing him across the room yeah. like Oh, shit. Yeah. That's some abuse if I've ever heard some. Yeah. So as a child, Butch was extremely overweight and would remain that way until his late teen years when he began using drugs. Kind of how it goes. Drugs. Drugs. Don't do drugs, kids. No. The bad Butch's kind. school life suffered because of his weight problems. The other kids often made fun of him, calling him the blob, Becky Beaver, and Porkchop. I'm sorry. That's really sad. But when you said the blob, I really wanted to laugh. I'm so sorry. I know. That's really bad. I know. Segway real quick. I found out yesterday my sister-in-law, who's 15, told me she was frat shamed this week. People are so mean. She is so little. She's 15. And she's so skinny. I know. Sorry, guys. I just had to throw that out there. I'm totally mad about it. Well, I'm... July 29th, 1956, Louise gave birth to their first daughter, Dawn Teresa Defoe. I'm going to pronounce that wrong the whole time. 
You're so cute. Then uh, in 61, Allison was came along. Later in 62, Mark came along. After Sometime after Mark's birth, Louise decided she was going to leave her husband for reasons that are still unknown, like still not really clear. So to get his wife back, Big Ronnie decided to put his writing talents to good use. Needing to express the love he had for his wife, Big Ronnie co-wrote a song called The Real Thing. And then in 1963, a jazz great Joe Williams actually recorded the song for his album. What? The one or titled One is a Lonesome Number. Yeah. So he literally went and became That's like precious. I know, even though he's such a dick. That's literally precious. Well, it worked. Oh, well, she she came back. I bet she did. Um, And not long after, in 1965, Big Ronnie would be blessed with his third and final son, John Matthews. By this time, the family had moved from their apartment, from a Brooklyn apartment to the Long Island sh- suburb of Amityville. Many wonder how Big Ronnie was able to afford such a lavish house and property with just a car dealership service manager's salary. Like, he worked such a low. Yeah. Oh, here's the answer. Luis's daddy picks up all the bills. I was going to say, it's haunted as fuck. No, it's not haunted at this point. At this point, it's so beautiful. It's just, it's like one of the nicest homes in the community. Well, it was. November 13th, 1974, a 23-year-old Ronald Jr., or Butch, took a high-powered rifle, a 35 caliber caliber Marlene rifle, and killed all six members of his family. Both of his parents and the four children lied in their bed, drugged, when he shot them. Excuse me? Mm Mm-hmm. Starting with his father, he then turned to his mother, shot them both. He shot Big Ronnie Point Blake in the middle of the shoulder blades from his back straight to the heart. Ow. Turned to his mother, then went down to the bedrooms where his siblings were sleeping. He had drugged dinner. He planned this. Like, he drugged the dinner with the, you know, drugs he was using. So they were all nodded that Oof. night, murdering an 18-year-old Don, 13-year-old Allison, a 12-year-old Mark, and the 9-year-old John Matthews. Oh. Yeah. Aww. After killing his family, Butch took a shower, got dressed, collected any incriminating evidence, mm-hmm. and then went on to his wor- way to work. Oh, yeah. Just what you do. He threw the ev- evidence, including the gun, into a storm drain, then went on about his day. Which makes very little sense because reading about Butch, he barely showed up to work. Like, ever. He worked at the same dealership as a mechanic that his father worked at. And he barely showed up. And when he did show up, he left early to go hang out with his friends. What a world. Yeah, right? So, obviously, he gets there and everyone's like, oh, where's your father? Like, what's going on? So, he even pretends to call his dad. Oh, so we faking wake in this now. Oh, yeah. We're going full in. Okay. All right. And 
they're like, oh, this is so weird. And don't worry, he does ditch out early to go hang out with friends. Oh, okay, good. I was afraid he wasn't going to. Yeah, no, he leaves early. He ditches. He goes and spends the rest of his day with his friends. Um, And then he would later, um, you know, prepared. He would later go back home and discover the bodies. To which then he ran down to like a pub or a bar that was down the road and screamed for help, saying his family's been murdered. Da da da. Like how he had to run to a bar or a pub and couldn't just call nine one one. Well, it's the it's seventy four, like cell phones. Yeah, are. dude. But they have freaking what are those things that are out there? That, no, the it's on the tip of my tongue. A paper. That's it. <laughs> I knew what they are. I could see them in my head, but I was about to say that Doctor Who looking thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good gosh. (laughs) Well, at first, Butch claimed to the police that the murder had likely been a mob hit. Yeah. His act was apparently so convincing, he was actually taken to the local station for protection. (laughs) It didn't take long for cracks to form in his story, though by the next day he had already confessed to killing his family himself. His lawyer would later build a case around he's an insane man who killed his family because of demonic voices in his head. The devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. That's the most prime excuse of all time. Right. Which, you know what? Given his, you know, given what he went through growing up, you know, who knows who what kind of group he had fallen into. You know, demons do thrive on those in a weak state so maybe maybe a demon had picked you know picked him who knows but he was given six consecutive life sentences i hope they did not believe the jury did not fall for his like insanity case devil made me do it he actually just died too like last year the devil made me do it because <laughs> that's when i was looking this up everything because everyone blew up like oh the amnivale murder guy finally died in prison he was like 69 years old i think yeah don't laugh you child <laughs> 69 <laughs> but yeah he literally just died 2021 it's funnier than 24 25 okay now let's get into the Lutz family. They moved in in 1975. Okay, so George and Kathy Lutz. Oh, I'm sorry. They moved. They got married in 1975. I apologize. They were freshly newlyweds when they moved into this house. Aww. Yes. They had both been married before, and Kathy had three children's children's children. Don't spill your diet coke. Um, I'm just laughing at your face. I'm uh, sorry, I was trying not to laugh. This isn't even my shirt. <laughs> so they had both been married before, and Kathy had three children from her prior marriage. George insisted that he adopted all three children and had their last names changed from Quartet, Quantento, Quantino, to Lutz. I'm murdering all. You're doing fabulous. Last names. I feel like next time 
You should Google how to pronounce names. Probably. Um, <laughs> the couple would later have two daughters together before divorcing in the late 80s. So we have Daniel, who was born ni- uh, 1965. Christopher, born February 1968. Then we have Marie, Noel, and Gabrielle. Jesus Christ. Yes. So there was busy. five children total. Well, only two were the the actual couples. I mean, he took all of them, but yeah. So they moved in December 18th, 1975. And because of what happened, Kathy made it very important that a Catholic priest go in and bless the house before they moved in. I mean, grant it. Yeah. Like... It, it was probably Father, Son, Holy Spirit. <laughs> right. So this is a statement from the priest that went in and blessed the house. I was blessing the sewer room. It was cold. It was really cold in there. And I was like, geez, this is peculiar because it was a lovely day out. And yes, it was winter, but it didn't account for this type of cold. I was also sprinkling holy water. I heard a rattle, a rather deep voice behind me saying get out i'll do that for you you properly yep go ahead get out there you go demon voice it seemed so directed towards me that i was quite startled i felt a slap at one point on my face oh it felt like someone had slapped me but there was no one there how dare you punch a man of the cloth yeah i mean slap the man of the cloth soon after the family moved in they started noticing odd things around the house such as doors being almost ripped from the hinges oh shit that's not even like it's like bitch i'm here cabinets slamming shut and slime oozing from the walls and oh like like slime slime or like ectoplasm type shit i don't they don't really specify they just slime that's fucking disgusting i just got chills In a 2006 ABC News report, George stated there were odors in the house that came and went. There were sounds. The doors would slam shut in the middle of the night, and I couldn't get warm in that house for days. He claimed that he would wake up at 3.15 a.m. nearly every day, around the same time that Butch would have acted upon his murders. Excuse me, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It said that at times, Kathy would physically transform into an almost older woman state. And once even levitated off the bed. George stated one night he thought he heard ch- the children's bed slamming up and down on the floor but claimed he couldn't do anything because there was an invisible force paralyzing him. What the... F- See, like, that's what's so weird. So, like, none of this is talked about, like, even in the movies. Like, yeah. none of this is talked about. Right. Yeah. So, this is, like, this is, like, the breakdown of everything. <laughs> so, George did have a history of dabbling in the occult. Yeah, which doesn't really help the case in the property that they moved. George is the George is the, the dad. dad. Yep. Sorry, there were a lot of names. I'm yeah. trying to. The family claimed 
to smell strange odors throughout the house. That speaks demon. Hello. Yep. They never say if it's like a sulfur or what kind of odor. They just, um, they would see a green slime oozing out of the walls and keyholes of the doors and would experience cold spots in certain areas of the house. The nearby garage door would just open and close on its own. A spirit knocked off a knife off the counter in the kitchen, just threw it. And a pig-like creature with red eyes staring down would stare down at George and Daniel from a window or outside. My God. Oh ew. Oh ew. Oh ew. I just got like these like uh, because there's like this deep dark room that I can like see right where we're sitting. It is yeah. just pitch black. Well, and, especially because oh like the house uh, is so publicized. Everyone knows what that uh, house looks like, so you can just picture any one of those front windows having that pig-like creature with red eyes. Uh, George woke up one night to Kathy levitating off the bed. Oh, normal. And then George went in to check. Daniel and Christopher one night in their bedroom and also found them levitating off their bed. (laughs) The family fled from the house just 28 days after moving in. I would have left way before then. (laughs) They didn't even have like they sold. So they basically they were newlywed couple. They didn't have much money. They paid for the house only. I believe I have it written down they only paid like i want to say it was like sixty thousand on the house it was way under market well hot damn they never paid a single payment because of how fast they came back like gave it back they were like thanks this was nice but like we're good so two months later a local tv crew did a segment on the house bringing in ghost hunters and paranormal experts to evaluate the couple's claims the team took several photos including the now famous image of a ghost boy peering out from one of the bedrooms i can you want me to send you the picture you want to see it i do want to see it can you send it to me all pictures fiona wants to see it too all pictures are will like are also will be posted on our instagram for anyone that's interested. Oh, my cat Fiona has joined us, everybody. Just so you know. <laughs> oh, she's she's now there you left. Go. Just for you. Okay. Hold on. Just for you. Oh. Side note. While well, you just sent me this. Two planes collided during the wings over Dallas Air Show. Jesus Christ. The world. Sorry, guys, but. That's kind of... But look at that picture. Popped up. (gasps) Oh my god, the chills! Uh (gasps) Uh-huh. Oh! Dude. 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 I see him. I can see him from here. Oh! Yeah. I I think it's John. I'm so uncomfortable. I think it's John Matthew. The youngest, the nine-year-old. 
Dude, I've never felt this uncomfortable. Like, so you remember, like, when I was at your house and I told you that was the first time a spirit has physically touched me and, like, yeah. a malevolent yeah. spirit has touched me. And that made me, like, yeah, my house is my apartment. This gave me, like, yeah. that feeling all over. I, because, oh, so it, it definitely looks like a young boy. De- that is not a human. Well, you got to think the way that they went, and he's nine. No, oh, God, no, like, but, that is, yeah. like, so sad so um oh the psychics that went through the house also agreed that there was some type of demonic force present in that house i uh, duh there after has coming to be. out with the story the couple even took lie detector t- lie detector tests to prove their innocence and they both passed them really yeah daniel the oldest son stated that he still struggles with nightmares to this day from living in that house. I would. Yeah, right? So, um, the house has had, like, four other owners since. So, the Luxes only lived there until September. Or through the... Yeah, like, through September. Oh, my gosh. September. Or not even... Um, I'm sorry, August 30th, they returned the house to Columbia Savings and Loans. Um, September 19th, or yeah, September 1977, Jan, Jay Anson's best-selling book, The Amityville Horrors, was released, and then the movie Abdomtation followed in 79. So it all moved really fast. It was publicized and just like crazy um march of 77 barbara and jim cromarty purchased the house from the bank and although it was plagued with hordes of tourists searching for the supernatural house okay so they claim that they have had no like so jim and barbara have had no paranormal sense okay so i don't they never said anything that they blessed the house or anything they believe that it's purely made up but george and kathy till their deaths like took that as like that was the worst experience of our life yeah can't yeah and like i said it's had four owners and it was last sold in 2017 so there is a family currently living so if you are in that area listening please 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 leave that family alone yeah for real they don't want any more tours. I'm sure they get so many. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's on some type of, like, haunted tour or something. It has to be. Probably. It has to be. I'm sorry, guys. These cats are everywhere if you're hearing them. Yeah. Like, they are everywhere. They want to sit on my lap. Yeah. They're good. Okay. Come on. Oh, he's such a chunker. <laughs> this is Zeus. Yeah. You tell him, Zeusy. Okay. I'm so scared. Okay, so I know that you only know, like, what you've seen. Yes. The documentary. So t- yes. Okay, so we are, so Tori, our lovely Tori, is doing the demon house. Yes. Okay, Zussie. You gonna stop? Okay. So, this is called the Ammons Haunting Case. It was also known as the 200... House of Demons. 200 house. So like 200, 200 demons. demons. Okay. We're living in this house. Oh my God. Or Demon House. Yes. 
Um, it is a haunting and demonic possession which occurred in Gary, Indiana, in the United so States. So close to us. I know, in uh, 2011. So, so recent. Like about what, 11 years ago? Yeah. Yeah, 11 years ago. Okay, so are we ready for this? I'm so scared. You're holding your so butt ready. in your boobs because yeah. yeah, we yeah, we going on a ride. So, um, a woman named um, Latoya Ammon. Ammons um, claimed that uh, she was being possessed by demons. Her nine-year-old boy was walking backwards up walls in the presence of um, a family case member and a hospital nurse. Yep. Um, the Gary police captain, Charles Austin, said it was the strangest story he've, he's ever heard. Yeah. Um, well, Austin, a 36-year-old veteran of the Gary Police Department, said he initially thought Indianapolis resident Latoya Ammons and her family, um, like, made up this elaborate tale as a way to make money. Right. But after several visits in their, in their home and interviews with witnesses, he simply stated, I'm a believer. Wow. Yeah. Not everyone involved uh, with this family um, was so inclined to believe this story because some of the supernatural claims were, like, so impossible so intense, yeah. to, like, even Fathom, accept. Yeah. But um, whatever, like, the case of um, this, like, creepy occurrences that were befalling this poor little family, mm-hmm. um, they led to one of the most unusual cases that has ever been handled by the Department of Child Services. And many of these events are detailed in a nearly 800 pages of official records obtained by the um, CPS. Okay. And um, these would include dozens of interviews with police. Yep. DCS personnel. Uh-huh. Psychologists. Okay. Family members. Yep. And a Catholic priest. Of course. So Ammon swears by her story um, and has always been unusually spoken about it. And she's uh, um, unusually, usually spoken about it. Like she doesn't, doesn't care. Like I'm going to tell you what happened. Yeah. Um, she's let um, multiple people interview her from like the um, Indianapolis Star magazine yep. where i got some of my information from okay as one of the places um so let's i'm gonna like you know like when you're a kid and you've got to like tuck the blanket under your feet so nothing <laughs> yeah. can come underneath your blanket yeah i gotta do that okay go. gotta do that real quick yeah i'm just gonna okay. hide in my blanket here we go roller coaster november of 2001 the okay. Ammons family moved into a rental house on Carolina Street in Gary, Indiana. Shocking. A quiet lane, one small story home. Big black flies suddenly start to swarm their screened-in porch in December, despite that winter chill. I was going to say, there's no flies in December. Exactly. Big flies. Oh, of course. Um, Ammon's mother, Rosa, remembers thinking, we killed them and killed them and killed them and killed them and killed them, but they kept coming back. I would have moved. 
there were other strange happenings. Oh, of course there was. Why wouldn't there be? After midnight, um, Campbell and Ammons, um, Campbell being her mother. Okay. Just so you know. Yep. Um, occasionally heard steady clump of footsteps climbing the basement stairs and a creak of a door opening between the basement and a kitchen when nobody was there. Mm-hmm. Even after they locked the door, the noise still continued. Mm. Campbell said she awoke one night and saw a shadowy figure of a man pacing her living room. She leapt out of bed to investigate and found large wet boot prints. Your eyes. <laughs> no, thank you. Moving out now. On March 10th, 2012, Campbell said that their family's unease turned into actual fear. If it hadn't already, I would have been gone after the shadow man. At 2 a.m. Normally, Campbell and Ammons and her children would have been asleep. But they were mourning the death of a loved one with a group of friends. Ammons, who was in in Campbell's bedroom, startled everyone by screaming, Mama, Mama. Campbell said, she ran into the bedroom where her 12-year-old granddaughter and friend were staying. Ammons and Campbell said that the 12-year-old was levitating above the bed unconscious. <gasps> oh, my God. According to their accounts of these events, these are particularly from them, mm-hmm. words. The young girl is praying and praying. I thought, what was going on? Why is this happening? And eventually, she descended onto the bed, woke up with no memory of what happened. And the people who visited that night refused to ever return. Good for them. Good for them. I, I wouldn't just come back. worse, bro. Like, it's just going to get worse from okay. here. Okay. All right. Campbell says she remembers telling her daughter, we need help and we need to talk to someone who knows how to deal with it. Which right. you would think it's time to go, like, figure some shit out. I mean, right, like a uh, priest. They didn't know exactly what it was, but they believed it was something supernatural. They called all the local churches, but most refused to listen to them. Which really pisses me off. Right, they're pleading for help. They just don't. Like, it's like they don't care. Churches, like, say that they care, but they don't sometimes. And that's what makes me really mad. Right. And um, <clears throat> so eventually, after listening to Campbell and Emmons talk about the house and visiting it, officials at one church told them the Carolina Street house had spirits in it. They rec- recommended the family to clean the home with bleach and ammonia, then use oil to draw crosses on every door and window. Okay. Okay. Where's holy water, but I eat. Well, a holy oil is a thing, too. Yeah. But water usually is the go-to. Yeah. But whatever. At the church's suggestion, Ammon said she poured olive oil on her three children's hands and feet, then smeared the oil in the shape of crosses on their forehead. Like, I mean, this woman, like, drenched her children. This was like, here you go. Poor. Here's some holy, just like, you're taking a bath in the shit. It's Jesus. Um, they also reached out to uh, two clairvoyants who said the family's home 
was besieged by more than 200 demons. Oh, my God. Where do they come from? Like, it's got to be, like, just, like, an open swinging door. The best thing that they could have done was move. Yeah. That was literally all they could have done. Um, she remembers the clairvoyance telling her, but moving wasn't an option because the family was Stuck. strapped for cash. Like, yeah. I mean, you, you can't just, like, leave. Right. There's <clears throat> contracts. There's It's so hard to leave in just, like, yeah. a dire situation. Um. So instead, she took the advice of one of the clairvoyants and made, like, a altar in their basement. Okay. Um, she covered an end table with a white sheet, then placed a white candle and a statue of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus on it. And she opened the Bible to Psalm 91. She said um, she had another person donned in white t-shirts and wound white scarves around their heads. Also, a clairvoyance advice, they burned sage and um, sulfur throughout the house, starting upstairs and working their way down. The smoke was so thick they could hardly breathe. Oh, my God. Ammons drew a cross with smoke, and um, then someone read Psalms 91 aloud through the house. I don't know if you know Psalms 91. I don't, but. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Ammon said nothing odd happened for three days, and then it got worse. Oh. Oh, that poor family. Yeah. Um, the demons then possessed her children, ages 7, 9, and 12. Oh. Um, the kids' eyes bulged, evil smiles across their faces, and their voices deepened every time that happened. Um, these, these demons were just using the children as puppets. Exactly. That's so... Um, Campbell said the demons didn't affect her because she was born with protection from evil. Um, she said others like her have a guardian who protects them. So, like, you know, like, everybody has, like, their own, like, yeah guardian, but you got to find... Yeah. Your spiritual guide, pretty much. Right. Um, <clears throat> she said that um, Ammons, though, she felt lightheaded and weak. Um, and she felt super warm when she was possessed. Her body shook and she was out of control. And um, Campbell said, you can tell it's different, something supernatural. The youngest boy, Seven, sat in a closet talking to um, another boy that nobody else could see. Throw the child <clears throat> away. My thoughts exactly. The other boy was describing what it felt like to be killed. Not something that I would want. He's what, seven, you said? Yep. Yeah, no. Throw the child away. Try again. Well, speaking of throwing, uh, Campbell said the seven-year-old once threw... Flew out of the bathroom as if he's been thrown, smacked his, uh, smacked against the headboard, along with the daughter, and ended up needing stitches. Oh my god! Just whoosh, toss the fucking kid. Literally, like I mean, like no joke. Like you joke about throwing, like this thing freaking chucked them. Oh my god! For no reason. 
It's like, like bye. Those are so strong that they basically laughed at the cleansing and said, let's show what we yeah. can really do. Oh, yeah. And, dude, it's just going to get exponentially worse from here. Okay, continue. The 12-year-old would later tell mental health professionals that she sometimes felt as if she was being choked and held down so she couldn't speak or move. She said she heard a voice she'd never see her, that she would never see her family again and wouldn't live for another 20 minutes. Oh my god, she's 12. These I don't, demons are like I don't like one that shows how strong she is as a person and I give so many props to her because honestly i do not think i could have handled something like that at 12 some nights are so bad the family slept at hotels oh my god um (laughs) this is a in desperation Mm -hmm. they went to their family physician okay i'm just gonna call him dr jeffrey because i can't say his last name i ain't about to try oh okay so he's dr jeff okay so dr jeff on april 19th 2012 ammons said she told him um what they were going through and hoping he might understand he ended up stating in an article at one point that it was bizarre 20 years and i've never heard anything like that in my life he said, I was scared myself when I walked into that room. Oh, my God. So he could even feel the presence. He said he would not speak any more in detail unless Ammons had a psychiatric clearance. Wow. For the waiver of confidentiality, she had ended up signing in this medical notes about the visit. He wrote about delusions of a ghost in a home and hallucinations. He also wrote history of ghost at home and delusional. Wow. So he completely wrote her off. He completely was like, nutcase, next. Um, yeah. Um, so what happened was also detailed in a DCS report of the family's case manager and in interviews with medical staff, um, the Department of Child Services. Yeah. Um, Chaos erupted. I feel like this is already chaos, but okay. It gets worse. Continue then. So Campbell and Ammons uh, said that the son was literally like cursed the doctor in demonic voices raging at him. No. And at the medical staff, the youngest boy was lifted and thrown into the wall with nobody touching him. The DCS report has this written down. The family's case manager and the doctor witnessed this happen with their own eyes. No. I would have been like, y'all all need to fucking leave. Get out of my office. <laughs> throw all the children away. Bye. And move states. Uh, the boy abruptly passed out and wouldn't come to. Uh, she cradled um, one of the boys in her arms. Um, Ammons held the other boy, obviously. Right. Um, and the doctor's office called 911. Uh, eight police officers and multiple ambulances showed up. Right. Uh, uh, 
what are they called? A, a quote here. Everybody was, well, I guess, uh, they couldn't figure out exactly what was happening, end quote. Well, yeah, that's kind of a hard one to explain in, like, scientific medical terms. <laughs> he uh, was taken to the Methodist Hospital campus in Gary. Ammon said hospital personnel laughed at her desire to anoint her sons in olive oil. I mean, from a medical standpoint, and, like, as someone, like, that has an EMS background, I get that. She said, I couldn't talk to them, so I talked to God. Okay. The boy woke up in the hospital. The boys, plural, yeah. woke up in the hospital. So they were both her because the one smashed into the other. Right. Um, the older boy, then, then nine, acted rationally, but the youngest screamed and thrashed. She said it took five men to hold him down. Meanwhile, someone called DCS and asked for an agency to start investigating the mother. Oh, obviously. Because she's for obviously. Possible, for possible child abuse or neglect. The caller, who is not named in the DCS report, speculated that Ammons might have a mental illness. And the person believed the children were performing for Ammons and she was encouraging their behavior. Oh, my God. So the DCS family case manager, Valerie Washington, was asked to handle the initial investigation. And she gave the following account to the police and her intake officer's report. Okay, here we go. Hospital personnel examined Ammons and her children and found them to be healthy and free of marks or bruises. A hospital psychiatrist... Psych- <laughs> Psychiatric? Words. Pronouns. They're hard. <sighs> Evaluated Ammons and determined she was of sound mind. Washington interviewed the family in the hospital... While she spoke with Ammons, the seven-year-old boy started growling with his teeth showing and his eyes rolled in the back of his head. Because there's demons! The boy then locked his hands around his older brother's throat and refused to let go until adults pried his hands open. Oh my god. Later that evening... Washington, a registered nurse, Willie Lee Walker, brought the two boys into a small exam room for an interview, and Campbell joined them. The seven-year-old stared into his brother's eyes and began to growl again. It's time to die. Uh-uh, no, because the voice really got me fucked up on that one. That's not it. The boy then continued in his unnatural voice. I will kill you. Oh. I'm just saying if my child ever does that, she will be thrown away. While the youngest boy was speaking, he saw terrible, terrible things. Mm -hmm. um, The other brother started headbutting Campbell in the stomach. So Campbell grabbed grabbed her grandson's hands and began to start praying. What happened next would rattle everybody. Uh Uh-huh. So according to the um, DCS report, this one is a excuse me i don't even i'm not even reading it and like look at my chills yeah the nine-year-old had a weird grin Mm -hmm. 
he walked backward up a wall to the ceiling. He then flipped over Campbell, landing on his feet, and never let go of his grandmother's hand. That's not, like, physically possible. Like, how do you explain that other than demons? Okay. That boy's arms fucking elongated. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. He walked up the wall, flipped over, and just stood there. There's no way he could have done that. Later, the police asked whether the boy really had run up the wall or if it was an acrobatic trick. And they, she said, The boy glided backward on the floor and up the ceiling. How do you explain? Yeah, how do you? The DCS reporter was so scared that she ran out of the room. I would have too. I didn't know what was going on. That was crazy. I gotta go. Peace. Deuces. So then um, the doctor who did not believe them asked the boy to walk up the wall again. Yes, because that's a superpower that he can just, you know, choose whenever it happened. Um, he told the doctor uh, he doubted that if the boy could uh, repeat the feat, this kid was not himself when he did that. Right. Uh, and he said, um, there has to be related to some kind of like demonic spirit that's right attached to this boy. The doctor said it would also result in mental illness. Oh, everything is just mental illness. Like I, a lot of people struggle with that. Yes. I like a hundred percent understand that. But to just go and say that everything that cannot be explained is mental illness is, I'm sorry, is just bigotry. 100%. Okay, continue. There's a lot. Like, this is just, like, it's so much that's happening to this family in such a short span of time that I just, I don't know how... This mother kept her faith. Right. There should be, <laughs> there should be like a, uh, like a part in the release that was like thirty day demonic trial. <laughs> <laughs> if you've noticed any demonic presence, what or... is this like FBI's most wanted? <laughs> no, just like if like you know how like be like, um. <laughs> Alrighty, so um, Ammons ended up spending the night, um, obviously, at the hospital with her seven-year-old son while Campbell's took their, uh, their, took their daughter yeah. and older son to a relative's home in Gary. Okay. Um, the next day, Ammons' youngest son's eighth birthday, uh, she said DCS officials then um, decided to talk to the children about what was happening. family celebrated the boy's birthday by singing and eating a miniature cake and then uh washington told them the children would not be going home oh dcs took the emergency step of taking the 
custody of the children without a court order. Oh, my God. Okay. Yep. All of the children were experiencing spiritual and emotional distress, end quote. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, Ammons uh, then proceeded to obviously, like, lose her shit. Right. All her kids have just been Because she didn't want her kids to be separated, and she didn't want to be separated from them. Uh, And another quote, she said, we've already been through so much and fought so hard for our lives. It was obvious that we were a team, and we were beating it, whatever we were fighting. We made it through together as a team, but they still ended up separating us. So she doesn't have any of her kids still? Just wait. Okay. Um, then the Reverend uh, Michael uh, Mignon. Okay. I'm not really sure how to pronounce his last name. So uh, was leaving, uh, leaving, leading a Bible study. Mm-hmm. And he received a call from the hospital chaplain. And um, <coughs> he never experienced like a request like this um, okay. from a chaplain. To perform an exorcism on Amlin's nine-year-old son. Okay. Um, he agreed to interview the family after Sunday Mass a few days later. Um, he was ruling out natural causes. And um, he visited the home on Carolina Street on April 22nd of 2012 for two hours. Ammons and Campbell detailed the phenomena for him. Then Campbell interrupted the interview to point out a flickering bedroom light oh okay the flickering stopped each time the um priest walked over to investigate which he attributed to a demonic presence it must have been scared of me good should be he then um was in they were then started the interview again and was interrupted again when Campbell pointed out that the Venetian blinds in the kitchen swinging even though there was no air current. Okay. Tell me how I can say all these hard-ass words, but I can't say peanut butter and jelly without... <laughs> Sorry, I just had to throw that out there. Um, he also saw wet fit... Wet foot... Prince, see, I told you. <laughs> Venetian and can't you, say what footprints. You jinxed it. I did. Uh, what footprints uh, throughout the living room? Ammons then was complaining of having a headache. Uh, then Ammons began to convulse when he placed a crucifix against her head. Oh, my God. Yeah. After a four-hour interview... Um, he was convinced the family was being tormented by demons. He also believed there were ghosts in the house as well. He blessed this house before he left, praying, reading the Bible, and sprinkling holy water in each room. Um, he told Ammons and Campbell to leave because it wasn't safe. They temporarily moved in with a relative. And this is when the police captain begins to, like, believe what's, what's going on. Yeah. Um. So, two officers, one each from, like, departments, uh, they were still, like, the kids were still being held in custody. Um, 
they went in and saw that the main floor had three bedrooms, a living room, one bathroom, hardwood floors, and a small open-style kitchen, and a door in the kitchen that led to a basement with concrete floors. Directly under the stairs was a dirt floor, and the concrete around it was jagged as though it had been broken, and a makeshift altar that Ammons have created was still in place. Okay. Among with rings of salt, she had poured against the basement walls to dissolute the demons, according to, like, her report. Um, Kimball told officers that the demons seemed to emanate from beneath the stairs. Lovely. Ah, yeah. Hi, we're in my basement. (laughs) Yeah, so great to be in a basement talking about demons that emanate from basements. It's okay. We got Harry down here. Yeah. Okay. I think Harry's nice. Hopefully. I got Sage. Yeah. I'll Sage down here later. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> um, the, he believed in ghosts and the supernatural, but he never believed, like, demons were real. Right. Which a lot of people right. don't believe in ghosts and spirits and stuff, yeah. but uh, it is a fact that a lot of people don't believe in demons. They just believe in, like I said last week, how there's, like, um, good ghosts and bad ghosts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he proceeded. I lost my spot. He ended up changing his mind after visiting this house because during an interview, um, the officer's audio recordings malfunctioned. Um, the power light flashed to indicate the batteries were dying, even though he had just placed fresh batteries in it that earlier that day. Um, when he played back his audio he heard an unknown voice going hey nope hey no and then officer ended up taking photos uh-huh. of the basement stairs and there was a white cloudy image in the upper right hand corner and when the officer enlarged, I got chills. When he enlarged the photo, the cloud appeared to resemble a demonic face. Mm. The enlargement also revealed a second green image that police say looked like a female. Oh. Austin said photos he snapped with his iPhone also seemed to have strange silhouettes in them. The radio and his police-issued Ford malfunctioned on his way home. Later, Austin said the garage at his Gary home refused to open, even though there was power everywhere else. said the driver's seat in his personal 2005 Infiniti also started moving backward on its own, like front and back. He brought his car to get checked at the dealership, and the mechanic told him the motor on the driver's seat um was broken, so there would have been no way that it could have been moving. Oh, um, okay. And that the this could have caused a um, catastrophic accident. Wow. They just really don't care who they hurt. Like, these demons are going full out. Yeah. Um, so... DCS found that Ammons neglected her children's education by not having them in school regularly, where kids were fucking possessed. Right. Like, there's... Hold on, let me send my kid to school while he's possessed by demons. Right. Like, 
Anyway. That just made me really mad. Um, They were sent to have psychiatric evaluations because DCS said, you know, that they're just fucking crazy. Right. There's right. There's no demons. They're just fucking nuts. Yeah. Um, And uh, the youngest son who said the youngest son, the one who tended to act, act. Act, yes, is all possessed when he was challenged, redirected, or asked questions he didn't want to answer in her evaluation. He seemed coherent and logical, except when he talked about demons. It was then that the eight year old stories became bizarre, fragmented, and ideological. Yeah, that. I Thank can't you. say it. I can also not say smaller words. I can't say that word, so that one's on you. Say it for <laughs> me real quick. Ideological. Wright said his stories changed <laughs> each time he told them. He um, changed the subject. Um, on, so then he began um, asking her about outer space. Can you die if you go to space? How do you get to space? Do you have to wear a space suit? Normal, normal stuff. Normal. Yeah. Eight-year-old like things. Like kid things that they would want to know. So, um, he be- they believe that the eight-year-old did not suffer from a true psychotic disorder. It just appears to be an unfortunate and sad case of a child who has been induced into a delusional system perpetrated by his mother and potentially reinforced by relatives. Um, and then the... Daughter and older son, they came to the same conclusion that it's just a mother. She's fucking crazy. Yeah. The mom's making them act this way. The mom made that son walk up yeah. backwards, um, up the wall. But Ammon's daughter uh, told one of the psychologists um, she saw shadowy figures in the Carolina Street home and that she twice went into trances and that and that her brother um, saw doors that would slam shut and stuff moved around and that... Um, she felt like she was not okay and didn't care. She's literally like, this little girl is like, help. Like, these things are happening and you need to help us. But see, the all three of these kids were telling them we are p- possessed. They insisted that they were possessed by demons. These young ass kids knew they were possessed by demons. They were telling these case, like the DCS caseworkers, we are possessed. Mm-hmm. And their response to it all was to not discuss demons and being possessed and take responsibility for their actions. They are by telling you they're possessed. And a shit pisses me off. So they said that the bond that the mother and the children have was a very close bond. And so that they basically formed um, discipline and regarding to possession. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Whatever. I'm like, how does that make sense? It doesn't. It really doesn't. She couldn't. And then Ammons couldn't find um, appropriate housing due to the paranormal activity. When people don't want to buy her home. Right. And like, she just couldn't find what she wanted. And then um, if we go, like, down into a little bit more into, like, the actual demonic presence itself that resides in mm-hmm. this home, um, 
The priest came with county officers with a police dog. And the caseworker who was there, um, she volunteered to go in because Good. Washington didn't want to. She was too afraid. Because Washington saw what happened last time. Right. But, you know, the kids are still just fucking crazy. Yeah. The county officer took his police dog around the home, but the dog didn't show any interest in any particular area. Um, everyone else headed into the basement. Um, the caseworker, um, Samantha, touched some strange liquid she saw dripping in the basement. She said it, spelt, it felt slippery yet sticky between her fingers. Ew, like why? you recently just talked about with the Amityville right. case. Um, the priest then told the police he wanted to check the dirt under the stairs for a pentagram or personal object that might have been uh, cursed. Right. And um, that would indicate a demonic presence or a possible portal to hell in itself, or Mm -hmm. if someone had died in the house and was buried under the stairs. One of the police officers dug a four-foot by three-foot hole beneath the stairs, unearthing a pink press-on fingernail, a white pair of panties, a political shirt pin, a lid for a small cooking pan, socks with bottoms cut off below the ankles, candy wrappers, and a heavy metal object that looked like a weight for a drapery cord. Lovely. Um, he, The priest then blessed some salt, which he said is a barrier to evil and spread around underneath the stairs mm-hmm. um, in the living room. And um, see, here's when it gets weird. So, yes, because none of this has been weird so far. Well, weirder. Um, Samantha, the caseworker, said she was later standing in the living room with the rest of the group when her left pinky finger started to tingle and whiten. She complained it felt broken. Less than 10 minutes later, she said she felt as if she was having a panic attack. And then she couldn't breathe. My God. So she walked outside to wait for the group. When the priest started questioning um, Ammons inside the house, she complained of a headache and shoulder pain, according to the police reports. So she joined um, Samantha, the caseworker, um, outside. And then um, the officers then continued to walk through the whole through the house and found that there was more of that substance coming from the walls and um the officers then sealed it off for 25 minutes um and nobody could like come in because they're like someone's doing something yeah like all the oil had reappeared that that was in the house after they cleaned everything up um it was a manifestation of paranormal or demonic presence, um, which was yeah. stated by the bishop. Yeah. And um, an exorcism was to be performed. No shit. Fucking finally. Yeah. Um, an intense blessing um, by a church-sanctioned exorcism. Um, he performed a minor exorcism on Adams, um, a ritual that consisted of prayer statements and appeals to cast out demons. Okay. Two police officers, um, Samantha, that one DC case family worker, yeah. and then <coughs> the case manager attended the ritual. 
Um, the caseworker said she left believing that something was going on, although she wouldn't go as far as saying it was demonic. She said she got chills during the nearly two-hour write. Jesus. Um, and in a quote, we felt like someone was in our room with you breathing down your neck. Um, but a week after she visited this house for the last time, she got third-degree burns from a motorcycle when she left. 30 days later, she also broke three ribs, juxtaposed, broke a hand when she hit a table, then broke an ankle while running in flip-flops. Oh, my God. Demon was like, fuck you. Yeah. You don't believe, believe me? in me now? Right. Like, fuck you. Oh, my God. She said, I hadn't. In a quote, she said, I had friends who wouldn't talk to me because they believed that something had attached itself to me. Yeah, it did. And, um, Susie. And, uh, the priest then, um, to perform more exorcisms upon the house. And, um, Ammon's this is when we're going to like learn about said demons in the house okay so she began to feel sick um and lightheaded but she said that they ended up founding the names one such name was beelzebub oh big boy baller lord of the flies ammon said um and they also found names of demons that would torture and hurt kids Shocker. Other high-ranking demons were also assigned to her. Oh, okay. Including lieutenants and sergeants. The, the, the hell is so well put together. <laughs> Good job, Satan. So well put together. Um, I am not going to repeat names of any other demons. Yeah. Um, if you guys want that, you can uh put that up yourself. Yeah. But uh. That ain't happening. No. So it's not welcome them here. Um they performed um three major exorcisms on Ammons, uh two in English and the last one in Latin on June of twenty twelve. And um he pressed a crucifix against Ammon's head and spoke. I cast you out, unclean spirit, along with every satanic power of enemy, every specter from hell, and all, and all your fell companions in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, his voice continued to get louder and more forceful until the demons weakened. Um, and Ammons prayed and prayed until like it became too painful till the exorcism did. Oh, my God. She said something felt, like, inside her. It was, like, trying to hold and inflict pain at the same time because it didn't want to, like, leave. leave. Um, eventually, it did. Good. Um, after the third exorcism, it was, like, <laughs> And that was the one that was in Latin that finally got it out. Got it out. Yep. Jeez. Um, she persisted to have some bad dreams. Um, and... What finally her children and her got reunited. Good. After the final exorcism in 2012. Um, and now they're out of the house. Yay. Um, it was then bought 
um, by Zach Baggins, yes, who ended up doing the uh, documentary, the documentary which um, doesn't live up to anything like this. LaToya no. and her family went through a lot. Like, I had a lot more that I could, like, right. go, into. go into about this house, but, like, it could be a whole topic in itself. Yeah. But um, they ended up demolishing yeah. the house. So no one could ever live there. But everyone that was in that house ended up having some kind of repercussions. Yeah. From being in the house. And I mean, it even happened to Zach, too. Yes. Zach shows a lot of that in his documentary. And I do recommend it. Like, it doesn't go into a lot, but it does show the effect of the house on people. It really does. Um, You do have to be aware of said movie in itself. It does state at the beginning, um, unlike everything, um, demons and themselves can come through electronic yep uh devices depending yeah um at that but i also believe that that also how what's the word i guess connected and, and like right um how strong weak you, you are because yeah. like i know that they're real yeah i know that they're real but oh, i'm yeah. not gonna let them in my home no just like if you – here is a note for anybody. If you ever have a ghost in your house or you think you have a ghost or a spirit or anything in your home, do n- do not ever let them in. No. Don't let that – don't accept them into that Yeah. Don't ever home. let them be like, yo, right. you can stay here. Like, don't yeah. ever do that. No. Like – Whether you if think you it's accept, a sweet Yeah. It, or... Even if you accept it, you can never accept it. If it's still in your home and you still haven't accepted it, it doesn't matter. Right. But, like – if you say those words specifically to it, right? Like Speak I, out to yeah, it, yeah, I've never accepted the one that's in my home. Oh no, I don't accept the one that's in mine either. But I'm like, if you're gonna vibe, like I'll right. leave you alone. Yeah, if you're not gonna hurt me. You can chill. But I'm not but, gonna yeah. accept you into my home. Yeah, Henry knows that. <laughs> well, it's been a wild ride. It has been. I'm exhausted after all of that. Like I'm physically drained. Um. Next week I'm doing the possession of. Oh, I think I kind of like came. Okay, that. just wait it. Okay, Annalise Michelle. I don't know. Ooh. Okay. You guys know it. Um. Do you We're know super her? Excited. I think so. I have but... audio clips. Oh. Of God. her exorcism. Of course you do. Okay. Well. We'll save all that for tomorrow or not tomorrow. Well, technically, like one more day because we record on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> but like Research. save that for next episode. We do possessions. Yes. <gasps> that means I get to see you on Monday. Yeah. Yay. Don't forget to rate and review us on yes, iTunes, iTunes and Spotify. Apple Podcasts. App, yeah, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And Spotify. We are now on YouTube. Last episode in this YouTube. Yeah, you get to look. Uh, yes, as we totally ignore you and only look at our each other. But um, sorry, we're like really conceited. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we love each other. <laughs> but um, yes, please send us your uh, stories, your experiences uh, to be afraid of the dark podcast at gmail.com. We have a Twitter, we have an Instagram. We have a Facebook page that you can like us on. And we have a Facebook group that you can yeah. follow. It is private. There are questions to answer um, to get in it. So 
whatever you post on there is completely private. It will not show up to anyone's Facebook page that you're friends with but are not in the group. Yes. So it's completely private if you don't want all your paranormal, you know, stuff on your regular Facebook. Umber and I post on there every day. Yep, every day. Instagram's every day. So, yeah, we're super excited. And (sighs) William, remember, don't look behind you.